This is AgriPulse Open Mic. I'm your host, Jeff Downey. Our guest this week is Tom Gallagher, Chief Executive Officer for Dairy Management Incorporated. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by the 2014 Farm Journal Forum. The 16th Annual Farm Journal Forum is set for December 10th and 11th at the Lowe's Madison Hotel in Washington, D.C. Register today at www.farmjournalforum.com. AgriPulse Open Mic continues with DMI's Tom Gallagher next. The 16th Annual Farm Journal Forum will take place in Washington, D.C. on December 10th and 11th at the Lowe's Madison Hotel. The Farm Journal Forum is one of the most highly anticipated food and agriculture policy conferences each year, attracting a diverse blend of stakeholders, including farmers, government, NGO, industry, and academia. The format of the forum includes outcome-focused discussions and high-level speakers offering insider perspectives on the most relevant policy issues impacting agriculture. A unique aspect of this conference is that the content reaches across the United States to thousands of farmers and ranchers throughout a robust network of media partners and broadcast platforms. To register for the forum, visit www.farmjournalforum.com. This is AgriPulse Open Mic. This week our guest is Tom Gallagher, Chief Executive Officer for Dairy Management Incorporated. Tom Gallagher oversees the National Dairy Council, the Innovation Center for U.S. Dairy, and the U.S. Dairy Export Council. With better prices and demand, 2014 has helped to return financial stability for the dairy industry. For 2015 and beyond, Gallagher sees challenges from an increase in global supply amid an unstable global economy. We produce about 205 billion pounds of product this year, and about 16% of that will be sent overseas. The rest of it, uh, you know, is consumed here in the U.S., and cheese is the number one driver of incremental sales in the U.S. It's almost our domestic cheese sales this year are the equivalent of our incremental export sales. Now, on the other parts of domestic, the uh, fluid milk for several years, but particularly these last three, has really seen a a dramatic spike down. So uh, while domestic consumption overall is strong, it would be a lot stronger if we could perk up that, that milk category after several decades of decline. What about the global consumer and, and what role are global economies and the strength of global economies playing into your ability to, to sell that 16% that you mentioned? Jeff, that's a good way to put it, the strength of the global economies. As, as those economies, particularly China and, uh, and others around the world, get stronger, you see more people enter the middle class. In fact, China right now has more people in their middle class than the U.S. has total population. So, And we know there's a direct relationship between people entering the middle class and a skyrocketing demand for animal protein. So uh, the growth worldwide, while you know next year it may slow a little bit, over if you look over a, a long horizon, we know that demand is just going to continue to increase. We know that even if other countries have production increases at some point, we're the only country that's efficient enough that can really uh, supply the products that those people are going to need around the world. And that's not, you know, and there's two sides to that. One is from a sales standpoint, that's good for the U.S., the other is from a, a security standpoint for the world. You know, we know, if you look at recent history, that food security is almost like national security, that 
you know, there's there's so many people who are unable to access food, and with a growing population in the world, providing and growing food and be farmers being able to use technology to grow that food, accepted scientifically based technology, is critical to people. We sometimes uh, get into these discussions of, well, is this technology good or is that technology good? In the meantime, in the next hour, 24,000 people will starve to death. We, we have the ability and the responsibility to feed people and provide access to that food. Do you have access to those export markets, or are there obstacles that at this point are beyond your control? There are some obstacles to certain countries. You know, uh, I'll tell you frankly, India is a closed border for us, and they have a variety of things that they've thrown up in the way or put up in, in, in to block us that you know look like food secu- food policy issues, but they're really they want to keep imports out as much as they can. There are other areas where you know improved trade policies. Uh, government to government would be beneficial, but India is the number one uh, area that just has a roadblock to us. I find it interesting of the U.S. consumer. There seems to be a, a heightened pattern of wanting quality food, wanting protein, wanting a healthy product, and yet despite the consumer overall asking for those points, Fluid milk consumption has been a challenge for you, and not just this year, but for a lot of years on end. Well, you know, the the real bottom line issue there, because everything you've said is true about what the consumer wants, is that you, you think back to the 1950s, you're not using the same kind of phone, you're not using, uh, you know, today we have the Internet, you didn't have, well, what we're offering the consumer today is still... of our product is sold in a gallon at a retail store to feed families at home. Well, in that interim, over 50% of the food dollars now are spent away from home. And we didn't follow when that consumer moved away from home with providing protein uh, to to those locations or to where people were going to get that consumption. So, for example... It's only within the last 10 years that we started providing round receivables packaging at food service restaurants when for 20 years the, the cars that were going through the drive through had round holes to put their drink in and we were giving them square containers of cardboard. It's little things like that, that uh, and bigger things that have led to us really not being competitive. It's not that competitors have stepped in and taken our market. We didn't do the things that consumers asked us to do. And what we find is when we do it, when we provide what they want, it's it's a great success. We, When we converted to round receivables for the 70,000-plus quick-serve restaurants, the consumption you know, went up 10 times. And uh, and so that's all about packaging, portability, and access. There was an announcement recently by your uh, organization that you're partnering seven different partnerships with a goal of trying to increase fluid milk consumption. What are your goal of these seven? And, and there's quite a diversity in, in the partners that you've chosen for this effort. Right. This is really uh, a very... Uh, very, I hope, rewarding project for the industry because 
a few years ago, the farmers on our board said, on the dairy management board said, look, you know, we, we have tried a lot of different things, but it doesn't seem like really the kind of innovation that needs to occur in this industry is occurring. Let's go out and see if we can find how to innovate the way the consumer wants. Because it's no longer a matter of telling people, well, it has nine essential nutrients. You know, they, they, people can get that from a lot of different products. They can get it from fortified water on the go. So what, what are the innovations that's, that are going to take hold with the consumer today? So over the last couple of years, we, two years, we talked to, worked with 50 companies in the dairy business and kind of outside the dairy business at the time to f- determine who was really serious about expending the kind of money and effort that it would take to rejuvenate fluid milk. And part of that is who was willing to put the capital in to create the plants that would allow for small bottle, mid-sized bottle, shelf-stable, extended shelf life, and the product development that, w- that was needed. So we, we worked and found seven companies who have made the commitment to invest over a half a billion, that's with a B, dollars in, in capital alone over the next three years. So these companies have built plants or are building plants or extending current plants so that they can satisfy demand, not just here in the U.S., but overseas. Our study shows that between now and the year 2020, that in China alone, there's an excess of a billion pounds of fluid milk that will be in demand, and I think that's probably a little on the light side, that we can satisfy. And since we started this project, some of the companies we're working with have have closed deals to be the supplier to Walmart in China or to provide uh, product to others. And so it's not just the U.S. consumer, it's worldwide consumer. It's shelf-stable, meaning, you know, it has a little longer shelf life but needs to be refrigerated. And it's also shelf-stable, meaning doesn't need to be refrigerated, which has certain advantages. Is this the new packaged milk, or is this the new and improved products and different types of products that include milk? Well, it's a little bit of all of the above. It'll, it'll, you'll see new packaging. You'll see sizes from, you know, 11 and a half ounces up to 52 ounces and ultimately into larger packages. You'll see uh, different shapes of containers. And then the product itself, you'll see, you know, 100% milk. You'll see milk and juice or milk and oats or milk and some other combination. Uh, and that'll, that'll cover both retail stores like a, like a Walmart or a Kroger. And it will cover, um, ideally, quick-serve restaurants with new types of milk combination offerings. What does a Coca-Cola bring to the table? How does the dairy farmer and how does Coca-Cola come together in this? Well, I think this is a big deal. The, uh, you know, we have several really good partners in dairy with dairy cooperatives, uh, a milk processor, and a great retailer in Kroger who are partners with us. But uh, Coke, what they bring to it is this. They have, have the best distribution system in the world. There's you know, them and everyone else. So they're going to bring that distribution system in. Number two, they're willing to invest a lot of money in both plant and uh, marketing. 
you know, and when they when they do marketing and invest in marketing, it's beyond anything we've ever seen in fluid milk. And they're patient. You know, they understand. They they may have to invest, and I won't even throw terms out there, but uh, you know, more money than than you can imagine for several years, and not make any money to create the market. But the reason Coke, and I think you'll see Pepsi follow, want to be in the dairy business is. Traditional carbonated drinks are down. Juice is flat to down. They're all interested in the health and wellness space, and and they all would tell you that dairy, milk drinks, and dairy-based drinks are the future of health and wellness. As uh, and and so that's why they want to get in the business, and they they'll bring an incredible amount of innovation and marketing muscle that the dairy industry is going to have to look at and somehow. Now we're going to have to up our game, and and that'll benefit everybody. I would almost believe that a part of this is the different segments of the consumer. Clearly, they don't all want the same thing. Right. You know, that's another very interesting thing that we've seen change over the last few years. You know, let's take one of the biggest chunks of our consumer and the consumer who will control over 50% of the purchasing power in the next few years are are millennials, which are people right now anywhere from 18 to 34 year old. Well, what what are the characteristics of a millennial? Well, number one, like I said, they control a lot of purchasing power. Number two, they don't have as much disposable income on average as their predecessor generation, so they have a lot of money together, but not a lot individually because of the economy. The third thing that they have in common is that they're more inclined towards social issues like animal care or earth. You know, how does how does this product or industry or company uh, treat the earth and the environment? So, what they do with their money is they make very strategic choices that they're willing to spend a little bit more for certain products, particularly food and beverage products, if they feel good about the company, how it treats the environment if it's clear that they treat their animals well, et cetera. So things that, it's it's very interesting, things that 15 years ago people would have said, well, those aren't really going to drive things. It's all about taste and price. Taste and price now for consumers, that's just the price of entry. Taste and price has to be competitive. It's everything you do beyond that that's going to make you successful. And these folks are making decisions based on these different issues that I just mentioned. If those partners are going to spend half a billion dollars, what's the ratio for farmer investment during this period of time? It seems like this is a good deal. Oh yeah, we're uh, collectively we're going to spend over that same period of time less than thirty million dollars. Our real the real interest on our on these other companies' parts is our knowledge base, our information. I mean, you know, a lot of that money is going towards those kind of things. So consumer insights nutrition research, nutrition uh, relationships that we have, uh, testing products and helping develop products. Uh, so it, it's a good deal for farmers from the standpoint of it's helping to stimulate uh, these companies to do things uh, a little differently, but it's also, if it turns that market around, it will really help farmer uh, consumption and pay price. All right. Sure. My my question here, 
when we were discussing school nutrition as a part of the farm bill and even in the appropriation process, I thought it so interesting that some of the folks suggested that the lunchroom isn't uh, isn't just a place where you feed kids; it's a classroom. What's happened with the school nutrition program and dairy's role there? It appears that we need youngsters to drink milk so they'll be more apt to be adults who still drink milk. That's been probably the Achilles heel of the industry for 40 years. And I think between that and that giving people as they get older the kind of products they want are why we are in the crisis we're in. So schools have been getting generally cardboard containers of milk so a non-competitive package that's very hard to deal with that is not what they see in you know in other products and we expect it to be viewed as a positive and contemporary thing well that's that's been a big problem for us and we need to continue to address how to change that packaging how to contemporize milk at school and one of the ways we've done that is by introducing, you know, new product varieties and through a program called Fuel Up the Play 60 that has brought 2 million more kids in the last year to having breakfast at school, which means uh, another almost 160 billion pound, 60 million pounds of fluid milk drunk through that breakfast program. So long story short, schools has been an Achilles heel. It continues to be. And with these seven partners and others, we are going to focus on it like a laser over the next few years, and we're going to focus on the gallon and the large at-home consumption. So we've got these seven partnerships kind of nailed down. We know what we're going to do there, and now we're going to focus on the next phase. Tom Gallagher, we are so grateful for you spending time with us here on Open Mic. Uh, Sir, the microphone's yours. Well, I really appreciate the opportunity to speak with your audience. You know, dairy farmers have an, an enormous role in this country, and they understand their role. It's, it's not like most other line of, lines of work. It's, it's a responsibility that is personal. It's to feed uh, and provide healthful foods to Americans and people now all around the world. And I'm really glad to be part of that industry that's able to, you know, help provide for the, the people that you know, need our help the most. So I really appreciate this opportunity. Our thanks to Tom Gallagher, Chief Executive Officer for Dairy Management Incorporated, our guest this week on Open Mic. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by the 2014 Farm Journal Forum. The 16th Annual Farm Journal Forum is set for December 10th and 11th at the Lowe's Madison Hotel at Washington, D.C. Register today at www.farmjournalforum.com. For AgriPulse, I'm Jeff Daly.